It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Whitney Lordson. I was going to start off this episode by saying there's a lot going on in this world. (laughs) And then I paused and thought, well, when is there not a lot going on in the world? I'm recording this episode on February 27th. And just a few days ago, the crisis in the Ukraine with Russia, I don't know if it began or just really escalated, but it's felt like an intense few days energetically. And it's had me thinking about something from a different angle than I was before. And this is about human communication and how I felt like it's just a a tough thing. And by the way, I've been waiting for like an hour to record this video because one of the dogs here is barking. And long story as to why, I've tried to do everything I could to help this dog and I can't. And just a little behind the scenes, it's so frustrating because I've already pushed this episode back a few days and today's kind of like my deadline to get it into my editor. And I'm afraid that if I waited any longer today, that it would be a huge issue. And so I really apologize, A, if you hear the dog barking in the background, and B, if I seem a little distracted, it's so distressing. But I guess that kind of adds to the overall energy. I'm going to put on my my headphones and see if that'll at least help me stay more focused. I haven't been wearing these headphones during the recordings lately after Jason left because I haven't really needed to. And now I guess I'll just, I'm going to turn on the noise canceling. The only problem with the noise canceling is I, when I'm talking, my voice sounds really weird. It feels like I'm in like some vacuum, (laughs) but, and I could still hear the dog barking. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So I apologize in advance. I'm so sensitive to sound in general. And I'm also just hyper aware of audio quality for that reason, but maybe because his bark is happening in a certain rhythm, we'll all get used to it. This is the the life of working from home, which I imagine many of you can relate to. And you know, in the grand scheme of things, things like this are not that big of a deal, you know, and and that's such an important thing to keep in mind when life feels tough is it's all relative. And many of us have these stresses in our life that can start to dig into us. And like, sometimes we can step away. Sometimes they feel insurmountable. Like what's happening for me right now is this kind of like rage. (laughs) And I was reflecting on that before I started recording. Like I just feel so frustrated with the situation with the dog, which probably not going to address here on the show, more because it's a very private situation that the dog is related to. And if that piques your curiosity, I apologize. But there are elements of my life that I try really hard to protect and just keep private. And that actually does tie into today's topic. 
but so does the stress because we have the stress of big things like a crisis in another country that has a ripple effect on everyone, even if they're feeling way outside that country. The fear that that specific situation has for us concerns over whether or not that's going to cause a war that's looming. And by the time this episode comes out, who knows? And going back to what I said at the beginning about how intense things feel, I was thinking back to 9-11. I was thinking back to the last time we are in a war. And it's interesting too, because what I'm referencing there is kind of the war on terror, I think it was, you know, in the Middle East. And I was actually in Europe at the time studying abroad when that was all happening. And I remember this like daily stress and kind of panic. My classmates and I were trying to like go about business as usual. And actually the day that I think the first I don't know what it was, an airstrike or something. One of those big days, pivotal moments was the morning that I was traveling from where I was studying in the Netherlands to, I think I was going to France with my friend. And I remember we were up really early to catch the train and watching the news unfold and thinking like, is it even safe for us as Americans to be traveling? And it was really tough, but we made it through. And here we are today, and hopefully we'll all make it through. And I don't mean for this episode to be about what's going on in the Ukraine at this moment, although it's important to put that into context of what I'm going to talk about today. I am a fourth Ukrainian. <laughs> I've pondered about talking about that because I'm not trying to like make it about me by any means, but my mom's dad's side of the family, so my was that paternal side of my mother's family are all Ukrainian. And I didn't realize till last year that like how Ukrainian they were. I grew up kind of hearing a little bit about our Ukrainian heritage, but very minimally. It wasn't a big part of my mother's discussion with me and my sister, but we would hear things like the food that they ate. My mom loves sauerkraut and she loves pierogies or pitahes. I think that is a Ukrainian term. I would hear like those little things like in the context of food. But it wasn't until last year, 2021, that while I was visiting some family on that side of my family, I realized like my mother's father was 100% Ukrainian. Both his parents are Ukrainian. And I heard some stories about them coming in. And I thought, wow, it's so interesting that that had never been such a big part of my life. And so sadly, the situation in the Ukraine has kind of tied me back into that history and wanting to learn more and feeling frustrated because I don't really know what to do. I feel a bit helpless and it's just intense. I also want to say it towards the beginning of this episode that I wish there were more ways right now for us to truly feel connected to one another. And I've been pondering a lot today and in general, my role online and how frustrating it can be at times because I feel like social media has, at the core, brought us closer together. I've had the honor of meeting some of you, you the listener, in real life. 
And that probably wouldn't have happened were it not for this podcast and were it not for social media. This podcast probably wouldn't have happened were it not for social media. And I love that. But one thing that comes up so much on my heart is that it just feels like there's so much going on. Things are moving at such a fast pace. It's hard to keep up. It's easy to feel overwhelmed and burnt out. But it's also incredibly easy to feel disconnected, especially with all of that. It feels like everyone is just moving at such a fast pace. And as I'm saying that, I'm like visualizing myself as if I were standing still and the world were just moving so quickly around me as all these blurs, all these people, just like streaks of light moving past me and and just standing there feeling alone and helpless and wanting to reach out and grab some of that light and pull it in and connect with it. And every once in a while, I feel like I'm able to do that. Every once in a while, I feel like there is a way to get connected to one another. And in this moment, all I can hear is the dog barking. And it's just like, (laughs) what do I do? I don't know what to do. Do I start over? Do I wait? So basically what this dog needs right now is 24-7 care. And I can't give that dog the care while recording. And there's no one else here at the moment to give the dog the care that that needs. And it's like, even in this moment, it kind of feels like an example, you know, is it selfish of me to be recording, but without giving you the whole story about what this dog is going through in this moment, do I put everything on hold and at what cost to take care of another being? And it reminds me of that subject matter of compassion fatigue and compassion fade where you feel like you're constantly taking care of another person or another animal and how at a certain point you feel like in order to take care of yourself, you have to distance yourself from them. And maybe that does tie into this subject matter today of maybe the reason or one of the big reasons that we feel just so disconnected is because of that compassion fatigue. Maybe what I'm describing as feeling like everything's rushing around me and moving fast and not connecting with me and standing there seeing all these people, these flashes of light that I'm describing, seeing them. So it's this weird sense of disconnect and loneliness because how can you feel lonely or helpless when there's so much around you? But because it's moving so fast and because each of those beams of light is its own center of their own universe, they've got their own stresses and their own problems and their own burdens, their own challenges, obstacles. You know, each of you listening to the show is at your own center of this a feeling that I'm describing and moving at your own pace. And so I have this compassion and this awareness that like people aren't purposefully disconnected. They just need to be in order to get by. And sometimes at the cost of something else, like this dog right now, you know, it's breaking my heart because I want to go be with it, but I've been with this dog so much, again, that I'm going to describe because this episode is not about this dog, but this dog is like a serving as an audible reminder of it's like when you want to do something 
for yourself and you feel like you've given so much to something else and you're finally focused on yourself and something's asking and asking and asking of you and you're faced with that question of do you ignore it to focus on yourself like I'm trying to do and focus on you. I want to connect with you, the listener, but I'm being asked over and over again to care for this animal and it's tough. It's And it's like even these thoughts coming up for me of, is the barking annoying you? It's distracting me and it's breaking my heart and it's frustrating me and it's causing like this rage of, I just want that animal to stop. I want what I've given this animal to be enough. And I imagine that's similar to being a parent sometimes that like, you know, I think about since I'm not a parent and haven't been outside of animals, I I think about my mom and what it was like sometimes to ask a lot of my mom and her to get frustrated and angry and yell. And, you know, these moments, these bursts of frustration and this rage that have come forth from my mother at times. But in these moments, I can understand because (laughs) my mom gives and gives and gives and just needs some time to herself, just like any other parent. And even when they step away, when they feel like they've done everything and they've cared and they just know that this human being or this creature will be okay, it's not enough. And it's like, it's just a lot. It's heavy. And I think it's important for me to keep this in this podcast because I'm sure you can relate And maybe it's good to pause. I hope this isn't edited out. Usually my editor cuts out the pauses and kind of speeds it up. And, you know, I don't listen to a lot of the episodes. I don't fully know how they're edited. I'll listen to bits and pieces, mostly with guests. I don't really listen to my episodes, my solo episodes. But I remember one person said to me recently that the episode felt awkward because the pauses were taken out. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. You know, I think the pauses are removed from the episodes to speed them up so that, you know, you're not, quote, wasting time. But in this case, I'm going to ask the editor not to take out the pauses because the pauses are an important element. All all I'm going to hope is that the editor could maybe remove the barking sounds so that maybe they're less distracting to you. And hopefully this mic does a good job of that, too. But I think it's important to pause during the heaviness. You know, it's important maybe to listen to those sounds but not react to them. Like in this moment, those parallel feelings I'm having in this moment of I'm hearing cries for help from this dog, but I know that the dog doesn't really need the help. Just for context for you, this dog is really old and its mind is going So after a recent vet visit was determined that the dog's just, you know, towards the end of its life and it's got a lot going on mentally. So the dog doesn't really need help. I checked right before I started recording. Everything was taken care of. All the needs were met. But this dog is just probably wanting to be held. And like I said, I would hold the dog, but it would, it's just a lot. (laughs) It might bark into the mic and all that stuff. Anyway, so I know in my head that this dog doesn't need to be helped. My heart, similar to I imagine what a mom feels when they hear a baby crying in the other room, it's like, it's really hard to ignore. 
but sometimes we know the right decision in that moment is to ignore it and let this being care for itself and know that we don't need to be there for every moment of that being. And I guess it kind of ties into how I feel about other people sometimes. And maybe that in itself is part of the answer that I've been seeking, which I'll give you some more context to in a moment. But I'm just thinking about how other times when we hear cries for help, maybe the right decision is to go help that person or that animal. Maybe we want to selfishly ignore it because it feels too hard or we're overwhelmed or we're stressed and we think like, I want to ignore this, but I deep down know that I shouldn't. And like right now with what's happening in the Ukraine, I feel like in order for me to figure out how to help, I'd have to devote all of my attention to it. But what a lot of people have brought up recently is that life is not stopping for the rest of us, especially in in the United States. Our lives are continuing. Our work is continuing. It's not like the beginning of COVID where the whole world felt like it was stopping and we all could focus on COVID. Right now, the dogs are still barking. Our bodies still have needs. We have work or education or other things that we have to care for, which doesn't allow people like me, at least, to put all my focus on helping out in the Ukraine. And so it's tough because I hear the cries. I I see that there might be needs. Like I want to contribute and help sometimes. But in order for me to do that, I would have to pause everything to first understand. And maybe that explains this bigger issue that I was hoping to tackle today. And it it seems due to the dog barking that my brain has now prioritized other things. And I'll maybe make this a short episode because the dog barking is making it... Even when I've turned on my noise-canceling headphones and I can still hear the dog. It's causing this panic in me that completely sucks, to be honest. But I need to do this episode. (laughs) So this might be very short. So thank you, first of all, for understanding. And I completely understand if this is not a good episode for you. You know, it's letting go of that and doing something despite the imperfection, which is something I really stand behind. And for those curious, why do I need to do this episode now? My editor needs at least a week to edit and the episode's coming out in eight days. So if I don't turn it in today, it might not come out on time. And why does it matter for things to come out on time? Well, a great example is not last week, but the week before an episode didn't come out on time because of some tech glitch. I realized that people were very confused by that because I've been on a regular schedule for over two years now. And so if I get off schedule, it impacts people, it confuses them. And that's why I have to do this episode right now, despite the circumstances. And again, that ties into this concept, despite the circumstances, we have to keep moving. And I think we can all relate to that. Sometimes it's, it just sucks. It sucks to keep moving. And sometimes life is just really tough. But here, okay, let me now start to weave some of my points into what I really wanted to get into, which was that idea of the disconnect. I noticed this very recently, especially due to my work in Web3. I've been spending a lot of time on Twitter and a significant of of time on Discord. 
And for those that don't know, Discord is similar to like a Facebook group. And you can join a bunch of what they call Discord servers. And these are all different groups that you can go into. And both Discord and Twitter are really big in Web3, which is cryptocurrency and NFTs and the metaverse, etc. And as I've been trying to learn and get involved with Web3, I've navigated, I've, I've spent, put more of my attention onto those platforms. And I've noticed a couple of things. One is they're overwhelming and confusing. Two is that it feels like I'm entering into this space of newness and I'm mingling with people at all different stages, but it seems dominated by people that have a lot more experience and knowledge. And there are times where I feel like Twitter and Discord are magical. It's like, wow, I have access to all these incredible people that are willing to connect with me and give me their time and share their knowledge. And I'll post things and it'll feel like deep connection, but it's fleeting. And this is where these thoughts started circulating with me. And it it reminds me of most of social media, how fleeting it is. And this idea, again, of being a person amongst all of this rapidly moving light, like sometimes the light will stop. And the image of the light, I feel like, is a light trail. And it's like in the movies or a cartoon when something moves so fast, all you see is the light trail. But when it slows down, you can see the human being. So on a platform like Twitter, there will be moments of somebody slowing down and suddenly you see their humanity. You see that they're connecting with you. They're taking a pause. And for me, there's this moment of, oh, thank goodness. Thank you for connecting with me, that gratitude. And maybe that person follows you. I don't know where else I can go with the visual of the light, but maybe that connection feels like it's going to last, but that person starts to speed up again and suddenly they're gone and you might see them in the distance and they might circle back around and maybe they'll pause again to stop and talk to you, but it's fleeting because then they run away again. (laughs) I hope that's a good, that's a good visual for how I feel on platforms like Twitter and you never know when they're coming back. And maybe that comes back to this, for me, maybe there's like core abandonment elements of this, of like deeply wanting to connect with somebody and they're always running away. (laughs) I've experienced this in romantic relationships and it makes me feel so uneasy because I like the stability. I like reliability. I like deep connection. I like time to slow down. I don't like those fast paced flashes of lights. It might be entertaining. It might be very stimulating. And Ironically, I love platforms like TikTok where everything moves so fast and you can consume, consume, consume. You know, within an hour, who knows how much you've consumed, right? Probably at least 60 pieces of content, but maybe close to what's 60 times four? 240 pieces of content. If, you know, the average TikTok is between 15 seconds to a minute. So in an hour, 100 plus, 200 plus pieces of content. That's obviously also very overwhelming, but it's stimulating and it's a rush and it's maybe the dopamine effect and you're getting so much and maybe you're feeling these brief moments of connection. Twitter is very similar, right? You can refresh Twitter and it's just like content after content after content, all these short little lines. 
And it also feels relatively easy for people to follow you on Twitter, even TikTok, right? And you get that rush, like they followed me, they acknowledged me, they saw me. I feel that way a lot. But then I immediately feel sadness. This is what I step back to reflect on, that it's this burst of excitement and satisfaction followed by a drop of sadness because it doesn't feel real. It doesn't feel lasting. That person is there and gone within a second. This is also expressed a lot when people talk about online dating. I haven't done online dating in years. (laughs) I feel so relieved to not be because I feel like online dating just got more and more fleeting and less substantial. I remember my time with online dating, you know, you would match with someone, which is similar to like someone following you on Twitter, following you back, for example. Like most of us have had on some social media a moment like that where someone followed us back, or at the very least, they acknowledge us through liking our comment or responding to us. Like that rush of, ooh, this person acknowledged me, this person likes me, this person sees me. I felt similar things on online dating. And like many others I've I've come to learn, you may never hear from that person, <laughs> you know, like using the chat. And I'm going to go over this on the basics just in case you've never online dated because I imagine there's at least a handful of people in the audience who have a long-term partner and they've never on- done online dating. So most of these platforms, you can match with each other and then you can go chat with them. That's kind of the next step. And I remember that there'd be a lot of cases where you'd match and you'd never hear from someone. Or me as a woman, I date men, I would reach out to the guy that I matched with and he would never respond. That would be the case. And those experiences were very quick lived, right? You get the high of the match, you get the low of no response. Sucks, but you move on. To me, it was worse. And again, very similar on social media. Matching with somebody on a dating site, they do respond. Maybe they reach out to you first and they say, hello, there's a rush. Ooh, they acknowledged me. They're connecting with me. You write back. Maybe they respond more. You write back. The back and forth starts to happen. The stakes start to rise. And you think, ah, this person actually cares about me. And then it'll continue until it doesn't. And the majority of the cases, it'll continue. Maybe plans will start to form, but a lot of times they'll never get to an actual in-person connection. For me, online dating, I never really kept track of how many guys I matched with and talked to, but I would guess that maybe somewhere between 10 to 25% of the matches actually led to a substantial conversation. And then I went on in my most serious concentrated time of online dating. I probably went on less than 10 dates purposefully. I felt, (laughs) I don't know if it was just me, but you know, I was trying to be particular about who I connected with. And I also don't really like dates with someone new, I find them incredibly awkward. But deep down, I did them because I wanted a connection. I wanted to meet somebody. I wanted to date someone. And so there were a few dates 
where maybe maybe two of those dates never went to a second date. One case for sure was me not being interested in the guy. I met up with him, could immediately tell it wasn't going to work. He asked me out again. I said no. One of them, I feel like I mentioned this in an episode before with Jason, but I don't recall for sure. (laughs) One of them was kind of like uh, scarring for me because we went on a date. I wasn't that interested in him. I could tell he wasn't that interested in me. Never heard from him again, but it kind of impacted my self-esteem because I thought like, huh, like he really wasn't interested in me because I never heard from him, you know? And Part of me didn't care, but part of me like felt offended. Like, gosh, I, wow, was I really that bad or disappointing? You know, I remember we had like some good chemistry before we met in person. And then after meeting, it was over. And my self esteem was like, did I not look the way he expected me? Like, I don't know. I still like hurt steep down inside, even though this is many years ago. And then there were guys who I really connected with and we went on a few dates. There was one guy I dated for a few months and then it didn't work out. There was another guy who we had something going on. I forget, what do they call it? There's a term for this. A situation ship, is that it? Situation ship, something like that. Where, I don't know, my definition, according to what I've learned online is like, you're kind of dating, but you're not dating. You're hanging out, quote unquote. You've got, you know, consistency simultaneous with inconsistency. That was my thing. That was awful. I could probably do a whole episode on how traumatic that was for me. But my point being is like, there's all these different types of connections, but a lot of them just kind of end. And that feeling of even if you've dated someone for a long time, a lot of that relationship completely dissolves, substantially dissolves after you break up and you're left wondering, wow, like how did we go from being so close to one another to not talking or seeing each other ever again? I'm someone who maintains communication with most of the men that I've dated. There's very few that I've never talked to again. Even the kind of less long-lasting, the shorter relationships I still could reach out to them and we'd have some sort of a rapport. There's, I think I do that because I like that connection. That person meant something to me. But tying this back into social media and this bigger conversation of how you can kind of start an online rapport with somebody simultaneously feels significant and un- insignificant at the same time. For me, I'm left feeling like unsure about how much I matter to this person. I've even felt this with IRL friendships, in real life friendships, people I met outside of social media, how we can go a long time without talking and I'll feel this awkwardness or insecurity of, wow, do they still want to be friends with me? (laughs) You know, and I have an anxious attachment style, so... And a lot of social anxiety. So this is certainly specific to that, I think. But I would love to hear from you how much you can relate because family members, all sorts of people, I have this underlying fear that they don't like me, that I offended them, that I upset them, that they're only being polite to me. And I felt this coming up on social media, again, back on Twitter. I've noticed this a lot. 
somebody will follow me, we'll have some exchanges back and forth. And then suddenly I don't hear from them either for a while or ever again. And it's like, where did that connection go? But it ties back into like the situation with the dog barking is like, right now I feel stressed from the dog barking and that stress may lead me to feel disconnected from others because all my attention and energy is going to the dog barking and then whatever I have left goes into my work. And then whatever I have left might go into focusing on the Ukraine and seeing where I can help, right? It's like a lot of us are spread so thin that connecting with a lot of people at once is really tough. Maybe we only have the energy to connect with the people in our household and the animals in our household. Maybe we only have the energy to connect with our circle of friends and barely even have time for that. I've noticed with a lot of my friends who have young children, I rarely hear from them. And when I do hear from them, I understand how hectic their lives feel and realize that they just don't have the energy to connect with me that often. We have these fleeting moments where the light stops and they're present and we're connected and then they're off again in their swirling light experience where I can see them off in the horizon, but I can't touch them. I can't talk to them. I can't reach them. I just have to wait for them to circle back. And maybe they're waiting for me because if we change perspective, maybe somebody else sees me as that fleeting trail of light buzzing around. And I've thought about this a lot too, knowing how much this affects me. I I recognize how I simultaneously want to be connected to a ton of people, but very few people (laughs) at the same time, meaning like I crave the intimacy of less connection. I want to go back to that human root of a small tribe. And I really try to use that word mindfully because I feel like the word tribe has been a bit culturally appropriated. So I'm trying to think a small group, let's say, is a perhaps a better word for this of knowing less people. You only know your family and you know the people in your town and that's it. You didn't have the internet phone lines, like you only knew who was in your space. We didn't have like these big cities, you know, like human beings were spread out and in smaller areas. In this very moment, I'm looking out my window and seeing strangers walk by on the sidewalk. I'm seeing windows from all these different homes around me. I'm seeing a plane fly by in the distance, like just within my field of view, I could probably notice hundreds of people, right? There's how many many people fit on a plane? A hundred or so? I don't know. Hundreds of people in the sky above me. There's a handful of people on the sidewalk. There's cars driving by. There's people in the, the buildings around me. And speaking of buildings, I don't even know the majority of the people that that are in this building that I'm in right now. I don't know the people that are in the homes around, you know, like that's kind of weird. And yet here we are using social media and dating apps to connect with people. And maybe it's an opportunity to redefine connection and also set more expectations I was thinking earlier today, like, should I follow less people on social media? How would that serve me? Like, maybe it would be nice 
to only be in a few people's lives socially. Maybe only a few people on my phone. Could I reduce my contacts there? Could I reduce who I follow? But it's really tricky because then other elements of socialization come in where are people going to be offended if I don't follow them? You know, I'm on all these different platforms. If I were to add up all the people that I'm following across social media, it's a lot. And because of the way the algorithms work, I barely even see them. The time I spend on social media, I would have to constantly be on social media and go through every one of my contacts to just see a glimpse of each of their lives. And it's just really weird. It's really strange when you step back and think about the way that our relationships and dynamics with other human beings have shifted so much. I know these thoughts may feel a little bit disjointed, but the theme is this connection. This theme is disconnection. The theme is compassion, wanting to have it, but also feeling completely drained by everything going on in life and only having the bandwidth to do so much. And discussing this out loud, I guess, has helped me because in those moments where I feel sadness over the disconnection I feel with other human beings, it's helpful to have the perspective that everybody is hopefully trying to do their best. And each of those people we're connected to are likely connected to hundreds, if not thousands of other people. So how could they possibly give us a lot of their attention? If they don't respond to us, maybe we just shouldn't take it so personally. (laughs) So there's that perspective. And then there's also that deep yearning that I have of just wanting to simplify and wondering if I even can. Certainly I could, but at what, what's the term? What would I lose? What if I did unfollow? What if I chose very intentionally, wrote down a list of a hundred people? Like, What if it was a list of comparable to if I was getting married and whittling down my guest list for the wedding, which I imagine is really, really tough. I could easily fill that list of 200 people for a wedding. I don't even know. I've never planned a wedding, so there's a lot in there, right? But I, I know the, the idea, the concept of having to struggle to decide who do you invite? Who do you spend money on? Who do you put the effort into at the invite? Who do you bring into that very sacred space of a wedding? So what if I did that with everything in my life? It would be kind of an interesting experiment, right? In this moment, I I wish that I, I could give my energy to that of just like creating a list of the most important people in my life. And what if I unfollowed everyone else? plausible. It would take a ton of time. I got to be honest. Years ago, I unfollowed as many people as possible from Instagram on my Eco Vegan Gal account, and it took me days. And I went through and just person by person, if I recognized who they were, I would consider following them. And I unfollowed anyone I didn't even recognize, like I didn't recognize their name or username. And then I went back to my list and clicked on each person remaining to see who they were and if I was still resonating with their content. And to clarify, 
if I recognize them, maybe I just like recognize the feeling of who they were, but like didn't have a deep connection to them. So I would then go into their profile to remind myself of who they were and why I followed them and who they were at that exact moment, right? Because we're all evolving with how we're posting on social media. Were they the person that I followed? Was that the same person that they had become? And did I still resonate with them? And that's how I determined to continue or not continue following them. And, and that took a lot of work to do that. And that was only on Instagram. I did something like that similarly on Facebook many years ago. And I need to do that on LinkedIn and Twitter, et cetera, et cetera. Like all, I have all these different social accounts. Anyways, that this is me <laughs> given all the platforms that I'm on, right? But I'm sure you can relate. You can think about this with newsletters you're subscribed to, with emails, podcasts you're listening to, social media accounts, plus contacts on your phone. It's an overwhelming amount for most of us. So many people. And asking yourself, what's the percentage of those people that you actually feel connected to, that you actually deeply care about? And if for the rest of the people, why are you still connected to them if you don't deeply care about them? It reminds me, I took some notes from Sherry Turkle, who I have addressed at least once on the show. I remember Jason and I covered her, at least one of her books that I read last year, I think in 2021. And I went back to some of my notes in the context of this one because she has some really great perspectives on how technology gives us the illusion of friendship and how a lot of us use technology because of something that we think it gives us, but actually it gets in the way of that deep connection. And she wrote or spoke on this, I think it may be a TED Talk, about how that illusion gives us friendship without the demands of companionship. So maybe there's a difference between companionship and friendship. She said that offers us three fantasies. One is that we'll have attention everywhere. Two, we'll always be heard. And three, we'll never have to be alone. And I wrote that down because... I think it helps me understand why I have followed and connected with so many people over the years and why others do as well. And companionship is demanding, just like the dog downstairs right now is demanding. It's tough because we don't always have the bandwidth, like I've said, to meet those demands. Or maybe we're choosing not to meet those demands in that moment. And this illusion, though, is still important to us. And I'm thinking about this, like, let's go back to Twitter. Following somebody gives us an illusion of friendship, but not constantly speaking to them allows us to stay away from the demands of that companionship. But by following them, we get their attention. We feel like they'll hear us when we speak, and we won't feel so alone. Maybe like what makes this difficult is that I take it so seriously. <laughs> when somebody follows me, I feel not only like they're giving me their attention, they're hearing me and I'm not alone, but I I feel like, wow, like let's connect with each other. 
that's my quick my desire like oh yes we're connected but it becomes demanding if that person wants my attention or i expect it of them right so then we step away and I, maybe it's similar to online dating right like maybe in fact i would be fairly confident in saying this that a lot of people go on online dating to get attention feels good for someone to match with you it gives you validation and why do people want to date i think a lot of people don't want to be alone married to not alone they have the companionship and maybe they go on the dating apps in hopes that they'll find companionship but it's complicated so maybe they also try to avoid it because it feels too demanding. Sherry Turkle also says that we get a neurochemical high from connecting, like I described, right? That that jolts is it dopamine that we feel in our bodies when when someone follows me on Twitter, for example. I remember especially when it's somebody I know, when they follow me back, it feels good. I get that high. And then Sherry Turkle says that when we have this feeling that no one is listening to us, that makes us want to spend time with our technology. So again, similar to dating, I think social media is something that we turn to when people in real life don't feel like they're listening to us. But one thing I, I remember Sherry Turkle getting into is that it's this cycle, right? Where because we have technology, other people may not listen to us. And because they're not listening to us, we go to technology. So now we're not listening to them. And then they may turn to technology. And because they turn to technology, they're not listening to us. And the cycle goes on and on. When really that person is right there in front of us in real life, they can be in the same room, but they're using technology, no longer listening. So we're both going into our own worlds to try to get something that's right in front of our face. And it's kind of depressing when I think about it that way. Sherry says, we want to be with each other, but also elsewhere, connected to wherever else we want to be, because what we value most is control over where we put our attention. And that's interesting too, because I think there's this deep hurt, even if we don't even recognize it, when someone ignores us, when they don't respond to us, that was part of what inspired this episode initially as well is... I would write to somebody on Twitter and never hear from them. And that's okay because it's their prerogative. I don't have control over whether they respond to me enough, but it hurt because I wanted their attention. I wanted their connection. And when I didn't get it, I felt disappointed. I felt hurt. I felt sad. But they have control over whether they give me their attention or not. And I think we see a lot of this on social where maybe somebody feels hurt because they didn't get attention from one person. So they try to get attention from other people. And that also becomes a cycle. I think we see this on dating apps too, right? We can control who we give our attention to. We can't control whether we get it back from them. So if we don't get it back from somebody, we go into the next person, try to get their attention. And maybe we become addicted to attention, attention, attention. Attention never feels satisfying because there's always more of it. There's always somebody else to talk to. <sighs> Sherry says, we can't get enough of each other if we can have each other at a digital distance, not too close, not too far, 
just right. Wow. I mean, it's deeply fascinating to me. Another thing that Sherry said is certain conversations tend to fall away. Most endangered, the kind in which you listen intently to another person and expect that he or she is listening to you, where a discussion can go off on a tangent and circle back, where something unexpected can be discovered about a person or an idea. Those are endangered conversations because we're so distracted, because we're always moving on to the next one, to the next one, to the next one. Sherry says that we use technology to, quote, dial down human contact, to titrate its nature and extent. People avoid face-to-face conversations but are comforted by being in touch with people and sometimes with a lot of people who are emotionally kept at bay. Oof. Wow. I guess that's what it all is, keeping people at bay. One of the things that Sherry touches upon a lot, and I think this came up in that TED Talk article I mentioned, is that we need to cultivate a capacity for solitude. And that's interesting, right? Because I think each of us crave human connection. It's at the root of us as humans. Like we, we feel like we need it. And maybe in some ways we do. It's part of our well-being. When we feel lonely, it's really distressing. It's scary. It's part of survival, right? And yet now we have so much connection that we need to actually dial it down and we can benefit from solitude. And maybe part of this disconnection is that we haven't learned. We've reduced our capacity for solitude. We've become so addicted to connection that it's at such an extreme and thus creating that disconnection. But what if we cultivated that capacity for solitude, as Sherry Turkle says, as a way to become more connected? Because then once we feel that satisfaction with being alone, it allows us to become more tuned in, perhaps. Something interesting to ponder. There's a lot here. There's, There's a lot that's been circling in my mind and... Thank you for listening. I'm going to wrap up now. This episode ended up being about as long as every other episode, despite the dog barking. Thank you for bearing witness to this conversation and also bearing through the challenges that I had. It's tough, you know, this conversation is tough, but everything is challenging in every moment. We are faced with these decisions and we are constantly having to ask ourselves, who do we prioritize, ourselves or others? When do we walk away from another? There's not always going to be a good time. It's not always going to be an easy decision. When do we disconnect? Are we disconnecting to protect ourselves, take care of ourselves, to nourish ourselves? Are we disconnecting because we're addicted to connection and we just have to move on to the next one? That's my overall sense, and I think where that sadness is. I just want more intentional connection. That's at the core of why I started Beyond Measure, which 
I've mentioned recently, and I'm so grateful that I finally moved through my resistance to make it public. And if you haven't heard me talk about Beyond Measure yet, it is a a community that I've been cultivating for about two years now. And today when I was reflecting on all these feelings about feeling so disconnected from others on social media, I felt so grateful for the Beyond Measure community. Last I checked, there were about 30 people in there, and meaning that new people have been joining since I made it public. I don't always get alerts when they join, but I think there's about 30 people. And there are, I would say, maybe eight of those 30 are super engaged. And every weekend we have a group call that ranges from five to eight people at the moment that all turn on their cameras. The option is there to turn on your video camera, your webcam. The option is there to just talk with audio with your microphone. And the also option is there just to observe, to listen. And the fourth option is that you can use the chat and have conversations in there. And every Saturday, the group holds space for one another. And it has been amazing because the members of that group have all stemmed from connections I've made on social media. In the past, when it was private, I was intentionally inviting in each member. And now that it's public, there's still intention, but anybody can come in, everybody's invited, but they have to be intentional in order to stay in the group. So right now, I'll put the link in the description at wellevator.com, or you can go to whitneylauritson.com, or you can message me. I want to make it easy for you to find this. But as usual, all of the resources, the references for this episode are at wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. And in the show notes for this episode, there'll be a link to Beyond Measure and everything else I've mentioned. If you use that link to Beyond Measure, you can check out the community and see if it feels like a fit. I made like a little landing page for it with an overview. And then there's a join button. It's free to join at the moment. I've been thinking about charging a small fee to join Beyond Measure just to cover my costs for running it. So at some point, you may be faced with that question. But in this very moment, as of the end of February of 2022, you can join for free. And when you go in there, you get to explore it a little bit. You get the option of joining these Saturday calls that I mentioned. And if it appeals to you, you can become a full-on member, which gives you access to all these amazing conversations. And I hope that it always stays small. I'm actually very grateful that it's 30 people right now. And I'm grateful that only a third of them, a fourth of them perhaps, are really active I would actually say about a third of them are active. Not everybody comes to the calls, but the rest of the people of that third, the 10 people or so are writing things and sharing things for another. And it just feels so connected and intimate. And even though I want to keep the doors open to everybody, I don't know, maybe one day I'll have to be more mindful about how many people are in there because my aim is for it to feel like a safe place of connection not another Facebook group, not a Discord server, not Twitter, not TikTok, where you're exposed to hundreds or thousands of people. 
it's an intimate group of people that you can truly connect with. And I'm so grateful for it because every week, every week when people join the calls, I get an opportunity to look them in the eyes through their webcam should they choose to turn it on. Sounds a lot more complicated than it is, but my point is I feel so grateful to actually see people's faces, to see their expressions, to hear their voices, to hear about who they are and what they're doing and how they're feeling that day. It is becoming more and more of a passion. The more I feel the disconnect on social media, the more grateful I am for places like Beyond Measure. And I want to remind you that there are places like that there. And if you've been looking for one and you want to come and check out Beyond Measure, please use the link and come on in. See if it's for you. We'd love to meet you. I'd love to get to know you more truly. I am yearning for more of that. And it's tough, as cool as it is to know that a significant of number of people listen to this podcast. I'm grateful for that. It's nice. It satisfies my ego, to be honest. But deep down, I wish that I knew everybody that listens to this show. (laughs) You know, the other day I had this moment of feeling less than, I guess, when I heard that this other podcaster had like, forget what he said, thousands of people listening to his show is a significant number. I'm not there yet with this show. And I felt this envy, like, ah, why does he get to have all those people listen to his show? The envy is there for ego and the envy is there for money because the more people listen to your show, the more monetization opportunities there are. But the truth is I don't do this show to monetize it. Yes, I do monetize it. I have sponsors here and there, but that's it. I don't record these episodes to make money. I record these episodes because I really like to have conversations. And frankly, it feels weird to have a conversation by myself like I did today. But what feels amazing is when people like you send me emails, send me messages, join Beyond Measure, and actually connect and say, hey, this episode resonated with me. That brings me the greatest joy. And I yearn for more experiences like that, more live, connected, experiences. I don't think we're quite there yet with the way things are set up in podcasting. There are certainly options for that. We've got a long way to go because right now most people prefer to listen at their own pace and maybe stay disconnected. But I want to end this episode by encouraging you to examine your relationships with others online. And ask you the question, why do you, if you do, feel disconnected or choose to be disconnected from others online? And for those that have never connected with me, I want to ask you that same question. It's always perplexed me on YouTube, for example. Like all, you know, I could see the number of people that watched a video and only a fraction, maybe like 1% of them would actually comment or message me. And the same thing is true of podcasting. Most of what I do, I can see the numbers. I know they're human beings, but they're all those distant flashes of light. And I want to remind you and invite you to connect. Know that I care. Know that I want to connect with you. But ironically, if all of you (laughs) 
connected with me, I wouldn't have the bandwidth to connect with you back. And that's oh, why this is all so complicated. Anyways, thanks again for listening to this specific episode that's felt that's felt very real, I suppose, because it's just gone in a lot of different directions and had a lot of emotions in it. And when I do episodes like this, I feel vulnerable because I, I feel like, ah, oh, this episode wasn't concise and cohesive and it felt all over the place. But that, my friend, is what a real connection feels like, I think. Because isn't that what most friendships or conversations with your friends are like? They're a bit all over the place. You guys don't have an outline of what you're going to discuss on the phone or when you hang out together. You just talk. Whatever comes up, comes up. That's why I do my show this way. So thank you for embracing that. And I will see you again on Friday. I have a really cool episode, very different episode coming up for you that I just recorded a couple days ago. And I was really nervous about it because it was so different than other guests that I've had. But wow, it just blew me away. So you got something exciting coming up. And I hope you enjoy it. Let me know if you do. Thanks for listening. And I'll see you soon. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. 